human beings of the world, it's time to enter the spoilerverse through our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on scpod.net. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. We are rolling. Join the cult of the Spoilerverse and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, Johnny, we're all about action here. We are men. Yeah. We are men of action. Yes, I agree. And we have gone through two, two interviews now of the man of action crew. Two down, two to go. Yeah, and it is amazing. And today we have an artist that drew the, well, he drew Big Hero 6. Yeah. He did Machina Rex. He's done Generator X, the uh, the, the Cartoon Network animated show from 2010 to 2013. Which is actually, it's a lot of fun, too. Yeah, it's really good. I used to watch it with Jacob. And, of course, he's on the creative team for Ben 10. Yep. And that's Duncan Rulo. And I... I was trying, I was wanting to be on this one, but I didn't get home until half an hour after it started. Yeah. And it just didn't work out. And it's okay. It's we okay. We had a good time. I mean, it's not like I talk many of you anyways, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. But the funny thing lately is I just don't, I haven't been. But anyways. We talked, we talked music. Yeah. Oh man. I we talk music. comic books. We talk how to break into the business. We talk about perseverance and we did talk about COVID-19 because as we started talking the NBA had just announced that they are post they're canceling the whole season or suspending the whole season yeah which is nuts so much stuff is being canceled right now it's it's just it's it's a crazy time it's crazy it's crazy time so we had an amazing time talking he's he's a wonderful man and honestly I can't wait to have him to come back on he's in the middle of writing a novel didn't want to talk about what it is yet uh, but he promised once he gets to the point that he can talk about it, he'll come on and, and we'll go over it. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So why don't we listen to Duncan in his own words? All right, guys, we're back. And we're lucky enough because we have a second man of action on. And if you know Big Hero 6 and you know Ben 10 and maybe you know Mechanic Rex or as a comic Generator Rex, but it was Machina Rex. Oh, Machina Rex. I said mechanic, didn't I? I always do that with that that word. That is why we changed it to generator for the TV. You know what's funny (laughs) is I... It was too highfalutin of of a word. I spelt it phonetically to make sure I said it right on my notes and I still <laughs> messed it up. Ugh. I'm uh, out of the four of us. I'm the one who likes to go with the, the more difficult titles on things. Yeah. I think originally 
Ben was going to be Ben, but with the tenth power on the. Because I think that looked. I thought it that would, would actually look really on, cool. Ben to the tenth. <laughs> but people are like Ben to the tenth. Nobody knows what it, what tenths are, especially not kids. Well, they should learn. What Don't, do they know? Duncan Rillo, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I stepped all over your introduction. That's good. Sorry. No, it's good. It's it. We're we're so free flowing here. It's it's more than okay. <laughs> well, okay. Let's, let's keep the free flowing in the days of the coronavirus. Uh, oh man, I'm in Seattle. <laughs> you know, they just. Uh, oh yeah. 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 So Jay Inslee is our governor, and he just announced today that. All public events that have more than 250 people are canceled. That really? They're not going to allow them really? to do it. Yep. And well, all. I, I know one of my kids from Boulder, if she's going to Boulder, uh-huh. uh, she's, they said, don't come back after spring break. Uh, they're going to do all classes remotely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, uh, my brother lives in Snohomish County. I'm in. I'm in South Southern King, but my daughter goes to Pierce, goes to school in Pierce County, which is south of everything. She's still going to school, right? I dropped her off there today and picked her up. She's in kindergarten, but my brother's kids are staying home and working and they're going remote. And then all of King County are about ready to to announce closures. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. 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 And you guys, uh, it feels like at least, Seattle's been uh, uh, unduly hit. Yeah, uh, but you just watch; uh, it'll you know. Uh, down in LA, it, it'll. It's just that nobody's gotten tested yet. So. Yeah. Well, Tom Hanks and and Rita Wilson just just. Announced. I know. I just saw that. Isn't that I, crazy? It, it came over my feed, but it was a mashable uh, one. So I was like, "Well, hold on, I'll have to verify." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he put it on his Twitter account. That they're in Australia in quarantine and they're going to stay there as long as they need them to, which is nice because I mean he could throw a fit and be home, but he's like, no, no, do the right thing. Yeah, and if anything, now he can put a public face on this because I'm still trying. Uh, we're not even talking about comics, but no, I'm still trying to uh, balance, uh, you know, being practical. Yeah, you know, uh, and practicing good, you know, just good citizenry yeah and also just wondering you know where are we on the scale of this being kind of like do i need now need to be more worried about people's panic than i do about the reality right right you know the uh the world health organization said that the last time that they called a pandemic was for the swine flu Right. Joe Kelly and I were just talking today, and and we well, did you know anybody who had the swine flu or had any problems? We're like, no, no, I don't yeah, remember so when the swine flu when hit. Start, well, yeah, so when we start talking about it, you know, who it, it just it feels like there's the boogeyman around the corner. But well, you you know, I think in different areas, and it's just smart. It's just smart to uh, you know minimize that stuff. At, yeah, at the very least, but especially if you're in one of the uh, the, uh, you know, more physically uh, in risk categories. So. Yeah, you know what else just happened? Uh, just like three or four minutes for you and I started talking is the NBA announced that they've suspended the season because one of the players has contracted the coronavirus. 
Holy cow. Yeah. Well, this is wild, man. This is some wild time. I know. Is, uh, it's like, what I, is I've going around, on? I've been around the sun a few times. This is the first time I've ever encountered this one. So. Yeah. You know, and MERS and SARS was, I mean, SARS is, is a, is a Corona derivative as well, just like COVID-19, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's just odd. Cause I think SARS was more deadly, but it never really made it stateside. That's right. Well, you know, um, a friend of mine, they suspected her dad having SARS mm-hmm. and they had to pick him up in, uh, an ambulance that was kind of like, you know, it looked a little like it was a snuff film or something because everything was plastic lined. Uh, you know, and nobody could be in it. It was like a hazmat thing, you know, wow. like the thing that dragged ET away in. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. That's crazy. And uh, then nobody, and no taxis would pick pick uh, pick oh, him I bet. up. I bet. Things like that. It, it was like, wow. Okay, you're on your own. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, or it took a while for the, uh, you know, for the medical side of things to be able to actually you know, help. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was, I actually knew somebody there. So, uh, more the SARS instead of swine flu. Yeah. Nice. Although I do have Nuts. a good swine flu, uh, Steve and I were actually landing in Tokyo. Yeah. <clears throat> First time ever in Japan. And, uh, the, uh, you know, I'm very excited. I grew up on Godzilla and, I you love know, Godzilla. Japan yeah. and, and speed racer and everything so it's like oh finally my spiritual homeland (laughs) in in a lot of ways uh we landed and they said everybody stay in your seats and three guys came in in these yellow hazmat suits i mean it was like straight out of a you know uh, out of a godzilla out of a yeah movie and they had these heat guns and they went on to everybody checking and anybody who had a temperature above a certain thing, they slapped a red bag on. And I was like, Whoa. well, welcome to, well, you know, an island nation. I, I mean, I get it. You know, if it's on an island, you you know, so one person gets it, you know. It's gonna they all get it. Quick, so. But Man. that was my introduction uh, I, to uh, to this kind of thing. But, yeah, it's kind of nuts. I, you know, I'm lucky enough that I have, I do this. But then I also have a day job, but my day job lets me work from home. You oh, know? great. Well, yeah. And that's just you know, luck. Uh, having a lot of meetings, you know, we went over to, uh, for a project, we went over to, we've been to Netflix, HBO Max, uh, uh, Apple, all, all of the different kind of new streaming yeah. places. Yeah. And this week, all of their policies on, on how they, uh, uh, will conduct meetings, you know, by the end of this week, it really was over the week. Uh, we had to keep on changing from, Hey, we're going to meet now to, Hey, we're going to, uh, we're going to meet in this other place, you know, cause we don't want density yeah. <laughs> you know, of how many people in it to, uh, doing everything over, uh, over the camera. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just, it's just, you know, it's just a drumbeat of, of, of this was really kind of, kind of interesting. And it was also really interesting to see which corporations did what, uh, Netflix, you couldn't move three steps without there being a Purell machine like these, you know, high tech gizmos where you basically, you know, 
walk under it and you, and you get covered, right. you know? It's like, right. it's like Gattaca. <laughs> it's, like it's like going into prison to throw the, the, what is it, the, like the lime on you or whatever it is, and then they, yeah, and yeah. they hose you down. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever seen Andromeda Strand, the original one? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of felt like that. Okay, now put on these clothes, because these ones are going to be burned. Uh, and then Apple was a little different. They had actually moved it to different conference rooms and spread the chairs out. Uh, some kind of measurement equidistant so that everybody was remotely two and a half people uh, apart from everybody else. That's so that was odd. what they were going to do. And, and then somebody, uh, another group uh, are going straight to just um, doing the, uh, a meetings over the, over the computer. That, that's probably the easiest way to do it. Then you don't have to worry about nothing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except sitting in your own filth and forgetting you're not wearing pants when right. you stand up. Oh, Yeah. Getting up for meetings in the morning and then, you know, I'm still in my PJs. What are you doing? Yeah. I guess it's <laughs> two o'clock. I guess it's, I, I guess I should shower now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. My commute really, you know, can either take, you know, five minutes or over the period of shower, if you're counting showering and changing out of your PJs. Yeah. Seven, eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> so. Duncan, you're one of the original founding members of Man of Action. Yeah. And you guys, yep. you four are, are sound oh. and look pretty close um, as friends. You know what I mean? Close friends. We've been together for, as a company now, for 20 years. So yeah, we either awesome. got to be or, we, you know, uh, we we're delusional and should be locked <laughs> up. And we had, we were lucky to have uh, Steven, T- Steven Siegel on. And he talked about you guys like, well, we didn't want to just stand around in SDC. We wanted to sit down. So we got a booth. And to get the booth, they wanted a company. So you guys tried for Evil Genius, taken. And then yeah. uh, who, who was it? Joe Kelly that said, oh, let's just do Man of Action. Or... Yeah, well, Joe uh, was the head writer uh, uh, over at the Superman office at the time. And he was doing action comics. So he was going to do his own website blog kind of thing. Yeah. And he was going to call it, uh, he was going to call it man of action. And, uh, we said, Hey, why don't we use that? So, yeah. uh, I guess we could say he's the uh, one who was responsible That's for great the name. man of action part, as opposed to men of action. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Steve already cracked the joke. He's used all the material already, but uh, <laughs> we're, it's because the four of us can actually make up one. No, one we, end of- we were too busy teasing Steve that he's been nominated 10 times, but he's never won that Eisner. Yes. It is, uh, he's, he's the, uh, Susan Lucci, uh, from, uh, uh, from soap opera. She, you know, has been doing it for like 30 years. Uh, never won an Emmy. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys rip him on that or what? Cause he's oh. the one who brought it up. So it's like, Oh man, you bring it up. It's fair game. That's right. That's right. No, no, no. He's he's a good sport about that he, yeah. stuff. I mean, I, I, I never do these things ever for right. um, you know any kind of awards. It's obvious. You know, this is the pat thing. It's obvious to get them. You know, to be recognized. But yeah. it's uh, it's really far better to be recognized by people buying it and enjoying it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it's like. Dude, you've been there 10 times. That means you're doing a lot right all the time. Not That's one right. time. It's like over and over and over again. So people know that you're an amazing 
creator. So I don't think yeah. I can do much better than that. No, I agree. I agree. He's also, you know, he's got a, he's got a unique voice in of himself. Yeah. Uh, and that's something else also with the four of us. Uh, you guys are all different. We really do have, yeah. We have very, in a lot of ways, a lot of different interests, although, you know, a few of them and the, I suppose the ones that have kept us together for 20 years, uh, did overlap, but, yeah. uh, anytime that we're presenting, uh, an idea to the group, you know, you know, that it's going to be vetted, you know, six ways to Sunday by all very creative people with valid points of view. So yeah. usually the stuff that the stuff that remains standing after that is the stuff we know we could go out with because right. we, you know, we properly looked at it from as many angles as we could, you know, to see if it could stand that the yeah. concept was strong enough. Yeah. So you, you guys were all doing like X-Men and Superman and really working for those big two yep. kind of came yep. together, said, Hey, we could probably do this better and, you know, on our own. And you really got, got into the creator own stuff with on image. And I think the first mm-hmm. one you did was, um, mocking Rex. Mocking Rex with, uh, Joe Kelly. Yeah. Um, with, and that Brian uh, Haberlin yep. studios. Yep. Avalon, Avalon studios. Yeah. Uh, at the time. So what was that like when you getting into your first creator own, were you, was it a nervous kind of thing? Like you had this idea, I'm going to get this to print or was it like, I think I got this. Yeah. I, you know, for at least my experience, um, uh, I was an artist on all of these, uh, you know, I worked with every one of the guys individually on different books. And yeah. Stuff. Uh, maybe a little bit of the uh, butterfly pollinating uh, back and forth in between the uh, stuff. But before that, I, I had worked um, about seven years to 10 years in film and in independent filmmaking. So I'd worked on a lot of low budget million dollar uh, things like that. And I think that that's always been in my blood personally, the, the, the startup kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I was, uh, I was chomping at the bit to start putting out our own content because the other thing, and this is maybe the biggest sad thing about Marvel and DC is that as creators, you, you know, you make up things like that and it gets folded into, uh, you know, gets folded into these bigger, bigger publishers. Some of the, some of the people, they, they don't, they don't necessarily want to bring those ideas to the, to those publishers. They'd rather, they'd rather, you know, um, use the characters in the library that's already there. And it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say, you know, not adding, but what they're not bringing in, you know, a whole bunch of new stuff because, well, you know, they, they want to do it on their own. Yeah. And, and I had started working with Howard Mackey on, um, X factor yeah, and my my personal mandate uh, was I want to add to this uh, because well, as a kid growing up, I you know it brought me years and hours of uh, pleasure reading, and I wanted to add to that. I wanted to I wanted to be a creator on that stuff, and I and I would meet you know different writers and and different other creators, and they'd have they'd be like, well, let's you know let's hold off on that. You know, that's, that's 
that's a great idea or whatever. Let's not do that here. And, and I think I was getting a little frustrated with running into that too. And I know these guys were. So when I was talking to Joe, um, he, you know, he was doing Deadpool. He, he was, you know, he, he was doing basically any book he wanted to. Yeah. Um, so the, the notion for doing a creator own for him was, I think a little, a little different than me. So I think I just uh, bullied him into it. Now, uh, we, uh, we had some talks and <laughs> we it, really enjoyed this <laughs> idea and, and we wanted to get it out there. And Brian is, uh, uh, you know, he's just a, he was a great champion. Unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, it costs money, all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, the, at the time the, the sales on the book were doing okay, but, not enough to cover all of his costs. So yeah, uh, it didn't quite, but there's only been two issues that have come out, but I got to tell you, I've had, I don't know, I've had Scotty Young, I've had Sanford Green, I've had Dustin Gwynn, all three of them come up to me at different conventions and say, Hey, listen, what, you know, what's next on that book? Uh, yeah. I just know that I know that that book itself, uh, well, at the very least it's, it helped with those guys uh, yeah. wanting to, you know, be involved in the stuff. So that's cool. I think about that every once in a while. Has it kind of morphed into generator generator Rex, right? Well, that, that's right. And, um, it, you know, uh, favorite saying is there's no such thing as, uh, useless work, uh, or, you know, um, it might not necessarily pay off or, you know, transfer into something immediately. Yeah. Um, doing something and, uh, doing it well. Um, there's, a, and now these days with everything being digital, the life of something, you can't, you can't think of it in short term any, any longer. You got to think, uh, thing, things are getting discovered. You know, the rock band, uh, you know, all of a sudden said my kid listens to the stuff that I thought was boring. When yeah. I was, you know, like and now you got to listen to this stuff and, and he loved that stuff and like wow you know <laughs> so who knows what anybody's going to be drawn to these days yeah you put it out there and you will find your audience but I think it's why it's so important to when you do when you work on something whether you're doing it because you love it or maybe it's not your thing like I don't know maybe you're working on a a, a romantic teen comedy book and you're just not into it you know what I mean because it's not this fun, but if you put a hundred percent into it, you just don't know who's going to love it and who you're going to aspire or who can come back and say, Hey, I saw your work on this. I loved it. Can you do this? You know? uh, absolutely. And, um, I mean, I'm of the mindset to, uh, having, you know, in high school or even through college or actually probably far longer than I should have been, uh, you know, <laughs> janitorial jobs or whatever, uh, you know, just kind of, Workaday jobs that weren't uh, anything, uh, they weren't anything creative. That's that's for sure. Uh, you'd find something in it, or at least I try to always find something that says, you know, okay, I'm going to see if today I can clean this floor faster than I did the day before. Yeah, and better. Yeah, personal best of kind of a personal best. Yeah, uh, I challenge myself all the time. You know, can yeah. I do this a little faster? Can I do this a little better? When I started doing interviews like this, I'm a chatterbox. 
So I can just, I, I, you know, I have an innate ability just to talk with anybody. So I kind of took that. I was like, you know what? I don't need to do any research. I know what they're doing. I'll just talk to them. And it worked at first, you know, you get away with it. Um, But when you don't like put the work in, you don't do the research and you don't have something, you know, some questions, some generic questions to ask, and then some more poignant ones to the one to the guest and then for the audience and all that, you know, it, it slowly starts to realize you need to, everything you do, you need to put a hundred percent into and figure it out. And, and so I always challenge myself, can I get something that's maybe another guest never, or another, like, you know, you've been on a whole bunch of interviews. Maybe I can find something that no one else has asked, you know? That's right. That's, that is right. Exactly. Cause you, uh, you'll surprise yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just using your analogy, if you're just kind of shooting from the hip, you might start to notice that you have similar patterns that yep. conversations go this way or whatever. And if you armed with a bunch of other stuff that you could or don't have to necessarily, but you right. have them, you know, to maybe move the conversation in some other way. And all of a sudden you're on a topic or you're, you know, getting to something that's, you know, you never would have. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the real interesting stuff. So as you were talking about that, about you know certain jobs about comics, I, I mean, there's something, whatever, whatever book it is, there's always something to discover yeah. in these things, and uh, you know, it's it's about an attitude of looking for those things or hope or, or you know, or they're always happening. It's whether or not you are open to accepting that they're happening as opposed to, you know, kind of passing or glossing over it. It's just kind of going, Oh, this is happening. Why? And is it, is it interesting? And is it, you know, propelling you forward or is it stopping you? And, and, you know, if you find something that's propelling you forward, man, you, you chase it. And and you, you had no idea that it was going to be like that when you first came in with some preconceived notions. I love it. I love it. So you're, you're an artist by trade and, and your work is fantastic by the way. Oh, uh, thank you. Don't be scared thank to go ahead and send me some original stuff. I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, your work is fantastic. How do you like the writing portion? You know, uh, I was just talking to, I was talking to Joe Casey about this the other day, uh, which is really interesting. I've had a very odd route. Uh, you know, when you choose to kind of live a creative life, uh, there isn't kind of a plug and play. You know, if I was going into, you know, go become an engineer, go to engineering school, and then there's yeah. a lot of jobs and they require this and that from you. Right. And I'm sure inside of that, you do find variation, but there's a better system, you know, or let's just say a more uh, codified system. Yeah. Uh, certain stuff like that when when you're doing creative uh you got you got to kind of become the widget you know you've got to become the uh you've got to become the thing you're selling i guess evidently your opinion your point of view and the skill set that uh you use to represent that um and so uh writing i have dyslexia uh so that was something as a kid i would overcome i loved I loved thinking of ideas. I loved writing them for myself, but yeah. sharing written material for me 
was always a little embarrassing because I would transpose words and things like that at yeah. first. It was a challenge. So I always had, yeah, I always had a, let's just say I had an emotional uh, uh, sandbag uh, yeah. with that stuff. Uh, so sticking with the art, that was something that whether or not uh, everybody writes, Everybody, you know, we all have to uh, in school. Um, so there's a uh, recognizable kind of status quo that, you know, that everybody can go with. Art, it's a little, it's a little more amorphous. Uh, if it moves you, uh, you know, you aren't going, hey, that knee joint isn't exactly biologically correct. So, you know, you could look at Kirby and take a look at his knees and go, Go, those aren't knees, but they are the freaking coolest thing I've right. ever seen. Uh, so I think I found, uh, you know, safety inside of the art that way. Yeah. Or at least, you know, there was an aspect of it that writing doesn't have. So right. it's a little nervous to that. But like anything, you just do it for a while. Uh, and you know, any of your kind of hesitations and more importantly, your, your willingness to, um, put yourself out there a little bit, yeah. uh, that, that stuff, that stuff actually comes back and rallies behind you. It does, it does help you. And, uh, and then I, of course I had some very good walls to bounce off. I do think it's about surrounding yourself with, yeah. uh, like-minded people positive yeah positivity and also the right kind of feedback you know um to help with that stuff so honestly now i'm 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 very comfortable with my writing but it's a it's a different process than my art and it's you know or at least the way that i do it with a little bit of outlining and with uh the way that you kind of structure it with drafts and whatnot it's a, a little different you know or it can be. You can you could do a one for one with drawing. Like first you do the shapes, you know, yeah. for the composition, and then you slowly build on it. Some people, like myself, you'd start with an eye, which is evidently what Chavis Chere uh, uh, or Sheriff, I never know. He, uh, <laughs> uh, he does that. He'll just start on a nose or something and start drawing right, the things already there, and then he comes out like that, which is pretty wild. That's how I approached a lot of stuff too. Right. Uh, I, I, I didn't have that same process, but with writing that way, I started to bring that stuff into my drawing. And I personally think uh, I could see the big difference it's for myself. That's it's, good. Uh, it's really allowed me a different way of approaching stuff. Yeah. And sometimes they say the right tool. It's so true. You know, you have the right tools, you know, uh, all of a sudden the job becomes well, it becomes different. You start thinking about very different things. You aren't thinking about, I don't know, you know, all that other kind of uh, garbage about should I, you know, is this any good? Are people going to like it and all that stuff? And then, you know, you're concentrating on uh, how's that flow? And, you know, where's the, you know, where's the, 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 the kind of, where's your eye first go? And all of those kind of much better questions and thoughts to be having while you're drawing. Yeah. Uh, That's what writing actually ultimately has given me uh, in a way I wasn't expecting it. That's awesome. And I can now, I'm actually writing a book, uh, a novel. I can sit down and get lost in writing uh, the same way that I could for drawing. Oh, that's fantastic. What's your, can you talk about your novel or? 
Uh, it's Not still, ready? Uh, yeah, it's, yes, it's still kind of, uh, all I can say is that it, I suppose it's a genre. There's got a, is a, well, it's a, it's a, it's a genre kind of psychological thriller slash sci-fi thing. I like it. With, uh, about behavioral, yeah. uh, about behavioral science. Um, and, uh, and the different ways that it in, even specifically today influences so much of our behavior, uh, of what we do and yeah. how we think as a society. Well, I know that you're a big Elvis Costello fan. I and, am a huge Elvis yeah, Costello and you, fan. And, and anybody who is a big Costello fan understands the importance of music and is a music fan in general. I don't think you can be a Elvis Costello fan and not just love music as a whole. So he's a, he's a true journeyman. Yeah. And he is one of the greatest lyricists and melody writers. I think we've had in the last 50 years. Yeah. What has he done for you and your writing and your artist and the way you actually point yourself at, at art and what you think of it as, as it's coming out? Well, you know, that's, uh, that's actually kind of interesting. And the most material way, um, what's so funny about truth, justice in the American way. Yeah. Uh, Classic title. Of, yep. Uh, that, that was, uh, I, that was uh, Joe and I, we were talking about, uh, him when he was writing that and why he wanted to write it. And I, I said, and I gave him that, I said that title, but really that's, you know, well, it's not necessarily Elvis. If we know our stuff, it's Niccolo, but Elvis really made the song huge. Right. Uh, so that, you know, in just kind of, you know, everyday ways, that's how that stuff, but he's talk about a guy who has never rested on his laurels. Yeah. You know, he's putting himself out there, a different project, you know, some people like the Burt Bacharach album. Some people don't. Well, uh, I so know that, the, uh, well, I, so first respect that. And I don't know if I necessarily am always going to uh, vibe on something he's put out, but I will always, I always respect the effort. Yeah. And, and to me, that's the real, you know, it, it, any one of these things you could pick apart just because sure. everybody can. Yeah. Can. But, but that kind of, that kind of artistic uh, vision or, or let's say aesthetic for themselves is what I, I, absolutely uh, subscribe to myself. Yeah. Uh, anytime I feel a little comfortable, I, I try to uh, knock myself out of it. Sometimes in, uh, even with career, uh, <laughs> what I'm trying to do, uh, you know, I spent some time drawing. Now I'm spending a great deal of my time writing. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, I've, I've, uh, if I feel like creatively, I'm kind of, uh, well, I need some uh, perspective on it. I need to step back and, you know, take a look at it or let it sit for a little while until I can reapproach it with fresh eyes. Yeah. And I know that that's happened. That's happened for me on a lot of different, uh, on a lot of different fronts over the, over the years. So I just, you know, and I respect him thoroughly and I agree. One of the best lyricists. Uh, oh, he really is. I, I, put, I put, I put him up there with, uh, Bob Dylan, you know, right? Bob Dylan, oh, Elvis easily, Costello. Easily. Up there with, I would actually say, in a lot of ways, because he's so much more pointed about the things that he wants to say. They're not like a wider, you know. They, uh, uh, people can read into certain lyricists, and this is a that's a talent, you know. Uh, get away from my, uh, you know, uh, it ain't me, babe. Could very well be 
uh, about a girl, or it could be about politics and that being Lady Liberty and all of these things. That's that's the gift Bob Dylan had. But what what Elvis Costello can do alongside of that is he can take very complicated issues and be very specific about what it is he wants to say inside of them and and be able to do that rhyming you know that's at a that's at like a yates level i think you know yeah yeah that's i'm glad i mean i'm glad that you're you're very open about your love for somebody like that because i don't know man i i i'm of an age where because costello was huge in the 70s and 80s Right, that was like his pinnacle, and he's still very mm-hmm. big in the '90s, but not like, you know, you know, doing Man Out of Time, and you know what I mean. And then he all over his army, yeah, no, and I, you know, Radio, Radio, you know, and it's just like okay, it's a whole different level. And I meet people my age, and they're you know, it's Pearl Jam, Nirvana, you know, it's that uh-huh. whole scene of the '90s, and it's like, but you wouldn't have that stuff if you didn't look what came before, you know, and. Wow. I, I I agree. Yeah, I kind of feel like Kurt Cobain's lyric style is very similar to to Costello, and the way that he maybe not in the words that he chose, and and maybe not even the subject matter, but the way that he forced his lyrics in with the music was very similar to me. Mm-hmm. The way that I look at someone like Kurt Cobain, he and I are or would be the same age. Uh, yeah. So we grew up with the we grew up with all of the same the same influences. And so of course he was listening to Elvis Costello. He was listening to Fugazi. He was yeah. listening to oh, all Fugazi of those kind so of bands that in a lot of ways they've, uh, I don't know how well some of that new, given the term new wave punk, whatever yeah. you want, early eighties kind of stuff. Travel there. You know, it's almost like they, uh, they haven't quite, they, they haven't quite gotten, you know, you too as, is uh, remained, uh, you know, relevant, I suppose, uh, for that period of time. But one of the big things, like with the Clash or any of these things, is the minute you started getting popular, you broke up. Yeah, you know, yeah, you stopped. You didn't want to jump and that shark. Yeah, you weren't <laughs> selling out. That was our super cool thing, man. You know, if, if all of a sudden I'm not going to top forty things, I don't want to make you money. Know, You're crazy. <laughs> right, but what? what is the other inevitability with that is that, uh, you know, as far as marketing machines and, uh, you know, ways that, uh, things can travel as far as word of mouth or, or whatever, yeah. you know, uh, you, uh, you, uh, another big band I like, oh, well, some of those English bands was the jam. I really love them. And, uh, nobody knows who they are nowadays. But, I don't, you know, I don't think I've ever heard of them. The jam. I want to write yeah, that down. I'll check heard them out. A couple other songs is, uh, uh, that's entertainment was one of their uh, kind of, uh, and they did a song called Start, which the baseline really is very close to uh, Tax Band, the Beatles Tax Band, but they mm-hmm. were kind of a, a mod punk band, and yeah. Paul Weller, Paul Weller, who's still kind of a, a, well, a, a well-known thing, he was the he was the singer songwriter. It was just his first band. So. Oh, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. I, I love hearing new music. I like. I didn't know. Um, Oh, what is their name? Stony Roses. Mm, out of there the, you go. That's, yeah. a, that's another band that uh, of that time period. Yeah, uh, I, I never heard of them. Went to my buddy's house. He has them on vinyl. He's a huge punk, uh, solid seventies, like you know, 
unknown 70s band i guess you could say but right. not, you know he's just really into that kind of stuff and he you know he makes his own music and he does all that stuff and he's good at every instrument he tries and he can actually sing and but he he turned me on to those guys i was like oh my god these guys are great how are how are they not bigger <laughs> yeah now uh you know that's the other thing you know as our conversations go in in this uh to kind of bring it back a little to what we do at man of action yeah. also is when we're looking on uh, an animated show, um, there are, and this has happened to all of us as well. Yeah. Uh, if you're working on deadlines and you're trying to get a job done and certain things, you fall into these patterns. And uh, animation writers, uh, the, 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 oh, the joke is if, if people, if the characters are uh, getting shrunk into babies or going into the body on a fantastic voyage, you have run out. You're, you are uh, back into the recycling <laughs> period, you know, of stuff. Like, where are the stories? Right. Where are those things? And it's everything else that you experience, that you bring in, uh, is what should be showing up in your work. Uh, uh, if you're an artist of any form, all you have is your experiences and then you filter them through yourself right. and say, Hey, I noticed this. What do you think? And, and some people go, I have too. And God, that makes sense. Uh, you know, I, it hadn't been said that way, but that now makes sense to me. And it, it awakens or you makes you remember something you thought of that you, you know, either had let go or, you know, had this been dormant for a while. But if you, uh, so with writers, uh, one of the things was is that we were really looking for a lot of writers whenever we are doing a show and we have uh, a staff or whatever. People that weren't actually necessarily coming into animation because we we could help with what was specifically needed for that format. Right. But what we what we couldn't do is take different points of view and experiences uh, that uh, you know that are outside of the traditional norms. Uh, to be able to bring that stuff into this medium. And so I think we do that. I, I know that I, I try to consciously do that with uh, the, my, the comics, uh, yeah. with our, with our shows, whatever is, uh, you know, sometimes you, you know, you, if you do something, you have no idea how it'll translate into, uh, you know, into the, the, the medium you're, you're concentrating on or you work or you work under. But so music's a huge, it can be a huge informer uh, of stuff uh, like that you know? yeah. uh, from approach to actual subject matter to, uh, uh, you know, the final execution. Yeah. Yeah. So generator X, this is mm. what's going on with that show. Are, are you, you brought your comic book basically into right. a cartoon network development. Mm -hmm. And then how many seasons are you guys into right now? Well, we had three seasons of generator Rex, which is, you know, in uh, animation terms, that's, uh, you know, that's the standard. Uh, ben 10 is not a standard that's uh, gone on and on. And, you know, it's become an evergreen, but with uh, generator Rex, I don't know if Steve said anything or even alluded to it, but if, fans of that, uh, uh, of that character and that world, uh, you know, well, all I can say is there's hope for yeah. you. Uh, that's about all I can say. Yeah. So, I was, um, without, without Tom Hollanding. It. 
Yeah, because I know your, you guys' final season was it, what, the the final season right now is 2013. But I thought yeah. there was some. I was hoping that there might have been some life for you know because Cartoon Network, you never know they can come back around and say, hey. Well, you know, we have uh, with them specifically over the years. Uh, you know, as Ben Ten as an anchor, we said, you know, we've been talking about this for. <laughs> 15 years now yeah uh, and and it's crazy nowadays now that other people have seen the uh the how it, successful it can be you know with the marvel model is you know, it can have an anchor character but we should be building out a universe yeah you know, for you uh this is this is what should be happening is you know all of a sudden because there's nothing more exciting than crossovers and greets, you know, of all of the one world collide kind of stuff. Yeah. We, we love that stuff. It's, it's, you know, it's, and I think they were always very nervous because, well, the big difference between comics and animation or really any of the kind of stuff that becomes performative on, 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 you know, screen somehow it costs. And so, uh, you get a lot of you get a lot of number crunchers in uh, in there, and sometimes a good idea will be shelved because they feel like it's too much of a financial risk for them, you know. Which is sad uh, because I, you know, you know, you know that it would do well right. if, if they if they did that. Um, but it's the that's the way of the that's the way of the business. You know? <laughs> There's the a lot of, of people world. involved in it. So, Duncan, tell me something. What does Avengers number 94 mean to you? <laughs> well, you know, that's a that's almost right near my collecting time, you know. <laughs> I was I lived I grew up in Chicago. I my grandmother lived I love in Boston, uh in Cape Cod, so we would have our summer vacation where we would basically spend and my parents would drop us off there uh, yeah. and we would spend the summer uh, basically in my grandmother's hair but it was a long car drive you know in a station wagon from Chicago out to Boston it was you could do it and you know something like 28 hours I think but there were four boys and my mom and my dad and a dog uh, which we did not put up on the roof. Uh, <laughs> you didn't put it to the to the no, leash and stick no, it to the back of the car. It slobbered right <laughs> in the back uh, with the, and the station wagon. But these were long. These were long hauls, uh, and uh, my mom would get you know puzzles and some coloring books and whatever. But comic books were one of them, and uh, I do. I really couldn't tell you. Or what clicked other than, you know, looking at, looking at those, uh, books at that time. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I, as we, uh, arrived home, this is, I distinctly remember this. Uh, my mom would, cause these things were well loved and they were beaten by the end of the summer. Yeah. You know, raggedy and dog-eared or whatever. She'd throw them out in the garbage. And, oh. Up to that point, up to that point, I, you know, I hadn't thought of, you know, about, about that part of the process, just being a little kid. Um, but I was like, hey, where are those, those comic books? It's just like, oh, I talked about And I remember going into the garbage can to uh, get them. And that was the beginning of my, uh, the, now, what, 40 years affair. later, 45 years later, look at those. Is, 
is comic books your is, is that your first love when it comes to creation and creating art and creating something for people? Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, those worlds were so vast and those characters are so interesting. And, you know, New York at the time seemed like a, you know, an alien environment, especially with the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, you're a Marvel guy more than a DC. You know, at, I, I suppose I evolved that way, but honestly, I, I couldn't say that I'm one more than the other. Yeah. I do think that there's characters on all, both sides. Uh, that I, I, on the DC side, I have a tendency to really love their more kind of bizarre, whack, wacky characters. Yeah. Or, you know, the ones that are not necessarily straight up superhero stuff, the ones that are a little, they have a pop art aesthetic about them. Um, Metal Men being one and, you know, uh, any of those kind of, I love the Creeper, any of those kind of characters. <laughs> They're not necessarily the uh, A a lineup, but they have a, they have a, I think, a, a deeply interesting so yeah i wouldn't say uh i mean at that time i i collected whatever i had right. both uh i had gotten subscriptions and i'd mow people lawns and i'd get subscriptions to stuff so avengers and uh jla were my first two subscriptions to books you oh know? so you and, went to you went both you can't even say you're one or the other because you subscribed to <laughs> jla yeah, and avengers absolutely <laughs> <laughs> all i could dream about is one day all of them mixing up you know in, in some kind of fashion I yeah was, and it happened but the, but the evil eye between the avengers and the uh, the defenders that was that was kind of my first you know kind of serious collection which was not 94 it got into 118 at that point uh, but you know smattering then i had an uncle who never kind of grew up and he would take me to uh swap me and that's where i discovered that people act, actually bought and sold comic books yeah uh, and they had them in, in nice plastic bags and borders and everything yeah yeah, yeah well even at that time because we're talking now early 70s uh for this the whole kind of collector's market and, and all of that stuff it was still very small so yeah. it hadn't gotten all of the uh, uh not not like now uh there's so many different uh, you know things that uh uh, most of the guys who were selling comic books at that time also were selling engine parts or something, but they had a box of comics and things <laughs> like that. It was, at least what I discovered. Uh, it wasn't as well organized of a network, or I wasn't tapped into it, let's right. just say. If there was one, I wasn't tapped into right. it. I just remember back yeah. in the early 80s reading, and then I'd look and you'd see those ads, and it'd be like, Mile High Comics in Boulder, Colorado, and they had all these listing of comic books that they had for sale. <laughs> and I would get the Bud Plant catalog. I don't know if you remember that one. And it would have a bunch of independent stuff. Never had like Marvel or DC, you know. It'd just be like Concrete was in there and, you know, yeah. uh, the Aardvark. What's the, um, yeah. can't remember That's his name. great, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was... Uh, uh, I have three older brothers, uh, so by the time I was collecting, I had one a brother who was really into like the fabulous Greek brothers and you know the Arkham stuff and all of the underground. Yeah, uh, so, so I was aware of a lot of that stuff, uh, but it, 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 at least when I'm seven or whatever, they were a little more taboo. Yeah, or I didn't get all the jokes. Right. As I got a little older, I started realizing, and when I started the uh, collecting more seriously or getting the price guides uh, and things like that. It's like, 
oh my God, this thing's been going on forever. You know, I got <laughs> <laughs> the Overstreet Price guy, and you're just like, what? <laughs> like, what is this Captain Marvel, you know, and green and white, uh, you know, uh, uh, outfit? I, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> I had only known Captain Marvel at that time had silver hair, and now look at Captain Marvel. So, right. Know. Are your brothers just trip out when you're sitting there now creating comic books, promoting comic books, making, you know, animated cartoons on television and movies and, and they're just like, what is going on? I, I, Cause I would, uh, I would be like, I would be so proud of my brother for one, if he was doing all that. <laughs> well, I'm proud of all of my brothers too. That's good. In a lot of ways, they're all very accomplished yeah. uh, people. Uh, you know, one, uh, one went to MIT and oh. now worked on a stealth bomber and stuff. He's yeah. Like, for Lockheed Martin. Yeah. yeah for Lockheed yeah. Martin. My, my uh, dad worked at Lockheed Martin for 30 years. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, Seattle's also a big hub too. You yeah. Know, uh, the whole West coast in, in, in ways that weren't in Chicago. Uh, so I have two brothers who, you know, they're very accomplished engineers and they've gone on and had very nice careers at different places, you know, and I am another brother who's a lawyer. Uh, we grew. I grew up in a real, and he's argued uh, First Amendment cases. Uh, oh, that's for, cool. You know, with teams on, on and they go to the Supreme Court and whatnot. So, you know, in their chosen fields, uh, they're all doing really great. I couldn't. I couldn't compete with them in a lot of ways intellectually. To be yeah. honest, uh, you know, being the youngest, I was mean, the tag. I feel the same way with my brother. Uh, this is my way of finding a way to compete was uh, doing something they couldn't do or didn't want, didn't think to do. But yeah, I get nothing but love from them now. That's, yeah. <laughs> Before, when That's I good. Shoved into the, uh, into the refrigerator. Or, uh, <laughs> you got to sit in the middle and when we're playing corners driving to Boston, you're in trouble. That's exactly right. I had. Uh, I was the youngest of four, so I know. <laughs> you get the. Uh, uh, I don't know. The, uh, in the, my mom was a art school teacher uh, uh-huh. for uh, public school. My dad was a, a graphic artist, so I guess I'm the one who followed in the family footsteps. Uh, everybody else knew there wasn't any money in art. Yeah. So they, uh, they all went the opposite way. Um, what but, did your parents think when you came home and said, I'm going to draw comic books for a living? Well, you know, it's uh, interesting. Um, my mom, you know, her idea of art is Rembrandt. Uh, so, uh, you know, fine artists and painting. And, yeah. I, and I love them as well, by the way. Uh, yeah, I she had a hard, I think a harder time if I was going to go that way of, uh, the, the pop art thing. Yeah. Uh, they knew, at an early age, it was helping me read. Uh, so comic books were a big, great tool to help me read or keep my interest, right. so to speak. And I was by eight, I was drawing my own comic books. You know, oh, that's awesome. Of, uh, you still have those? I do. <laughs> that's I do. great. <laughs> my mom saved all of that stuff. Yeah, at some point, long after my death, I'll let somebody release <laughs> <laughs> But I was a big Marvel team up. I loved Marvel team up because anything with Spider Man and another character, and I did buy all oh, yeah. Marvel team ups. I have a good I love Spider-Man. six or seven 
uh, issues that I had drawn. Yeah. That will never, you know, see the light of day while you're alive. (laughs) Next on the auction block, (laughs) a a Duncan C. Rouleau original, eight years old. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. So Duncan, what do you got going on today? Do you have anything new that the, uh, everybody out there should know about? Well, uh, I have, for the last couple of years, been focused almost exclusively on writing. But yeah, really, I love in it. the past six months, uh, I've been I've been drawing a, a hell of a lot, and I've been able to kind of look at stuff in a new way. So I just posted a bunch of stuff and uh, last week, and and sold all of it. Which I was kind of awesome. happy to hear. Yeah, happy, happy that that happened. Uh, I've set up a, a a website where I'm putting, I'm posting all, all the originals. One of these entrepreneur, it's called uh-huh. uh, website. It's kind of like a DeviantArt one, but entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Yes, uh, art and then entrepreneur, but uh, lose the en. Right. Dot com. So that's. Uh, that's something that I've just recently started doing. So if you're interested in this stuff, uh, it's a lot of, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of different work. I'm very happy with it. And it kind of goes all over the place, all of the different kinds of things that I love. And, oh, that's and awesome. Like, yeah. So. I would love to check that out. I'm just, I collected comic books forever. And then I got to a point when I was about 24, I had been collecting, you know, since I was like nine, eight years old. And I just had so many long boxes. And you know, when mm. you're in your early twenties, you're moving. It feels like every yes. once a year. Yeah. And yes. so I just got so sick of moving, you know, 12, 13 long boxes of comic books. I'm like, I got to get these out of here. And I, so I sold my whole collection. Mm. I regret it now. Yeah, how do you feel about it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and now you do, you think about them. Is there yeah. Certain, and it's not so much that kind of bubble up. And yeah. Go, oh, I had that one. And it's interesting though. It's, it's, it's not always the ones that are worth money. It's the ones that I liked. Emotional. Yeah. yeah. Like I love like my, one of my, let's say, so I lo- in the eighties, I loved Spider-Man and X-Men. Mm. I was a Marvel person when I was a kid. And then later in life, I, I seem to be reading more vertigo. And now I read more independent stuff than anything else. I, I'm kind of on the same arc myself. Yeah. It sounds very similar. You know, I'm just looking for, uh, you know, unique, different voices and also art styles, all the yeah. different kinds of art styles. There's so many talented people out there. Yeah. There's so many. Kind of mind boggling. So yeah. I, I just missed the ones that had an emotional attachment. And the one I missed the most, as I found, was the Magic miniseries with Magic, uh, go, you know, Ileana Rasputin's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Colossus' little sister. And it was the first miniseries they did with her where she gets kidnapped, goes to limbo. Belasco teaches her to be a, a wizard. And then she ends up, you know, she becomes the yeah. character she ends up being all through the 80s. And I loved that. And I, I had an emotional attachment to it because I snuck into my brother's room and he had that little miniseries and I sat in his room and I read that and I read Frank Miller's Batman and I've read Frank Miller's Daredevil and I read well, your hook. Dude. Yeah, it was, I was over, <laughs> right. you know, and How he, did you not read that stuff and go, Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So like, when I sold those, I, I, I went on eBay and I found and I literally got the whole series for like $5. I was so happy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I have a, 
two different things. One that for whatever reason, that story or the, you know, I, my kind of like the zenith of my, my collection and my fanboy stuff was when Byrne and Claremont, uh, really started their run on the X-Men that, yeah. you know, the death of Phoenix was, uh, you know, that was right in my, you it's know, amazing. right in my zone for when that happened. Uh, and I remember going to the Chicago comic con and, uh, both of them were there. And so was Frank Miller, who was working on Daredevil at the time. Super young. Terry Austin, yeah, Terry Austin was there. Uh, um, oh, um, I'm blanking on name. <laughs> no, I don't feel so bad because I things blank on me all the time. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of other really, uh, you know. But uh, I think it was, I think, 15 at that time or 14, 14, 15, around, around that time. Uh, that was actually when I first went, Oh, you can do this as a career. These are the people that that person right there is the person who's putting that stuff. Uh, seeing them was a very important thing for me. It, it made it real as opposed to, you know, this kind of amorphous thing. Um, and cons, they didn't have, you know, cons all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and that was a, that was a big event when it would come to, uh, Chicago and, I got to meet uh, John Buscema. He took me and a couple other kids around and just showed us different books. Hey, if you're interested in this stuff, you should take a look at this and look at that. So I've had some really, I mean, wonderful uh, experiences uh, in the community itself uh, with, you know, with people who I consider legends who took a little time to help me. Uh, which I'll be eternally grateful for. And, yeah, uh, that's just the kind of the uh, that's the kind of vibe I I want to contribute to. Oh, as that's well. awesome! You yeah, know, that that kind of uh, that kind of experience, so, which I think is a, a little different than some other uh, professions uh, that are still in the entertainment field. Uh, yeah, they're still accessible. Yeah, and an accessibility. Yeah. A lot of competition in those other professions, so they are in those other fields, so they don't want to give that that feedback other, back as much. Or? The other big benefit is maybe in a convention, all years like, oh my god, I can't wait, you know, whatever, yeah. whoever it is. Uh, but if you step outside of that uh, convention and go over to the taco place, uh, you're just some dude getting tacos. Yeah, uh, which which is nice, and I think in some of these other ones, you know. Uh, you have to carry whatever uh, that that is with you, and I think that can kind of uh, force you to put your guard up a little bit uh, in a in a way that you know doesn't ultimately help you um, be a human, yeah, <laughs> or be you know, or or, or you know, remain uh, a part of the audience that you're you know you're right. also debating to. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Last question for you, because we already sure. we're already an hour in. Can you believe that? Oh my holy cow! <laughs> it goes quick. It goes quick. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. Is there a set of advice? I, I know people probably come up to you all the time and says, "Hey, can you know? I'm aspiring to do this. I'm aspiring to do that." Is there something that you like to tell people that maybe um, they haven't heard yet? A lot of them is just keep trying. You know, but mm -hmm. sometimes there's that one bit that someone just needs to hear. 
Right. Well, uh, you know, I, I and I get asked this question a lot, and I have done some thinking on it. Uh, two things, you know, have you ever heard that? Uh, there was a song. I want to say it's in the late '90s. It was a it was a uh, a lecture that somebody was giving to oh, the Boz Lerman. Graduating. Yeah. Well, and talking about uh, use uh, sun sun yep. lotion. Yep, that's Boz Lerman. Boz Lerman. Yep. Right, there you go. And as you kind of move through, and I'm sure you're experiencing it, certain things become more true than some other stuff. It, yeah. it becomes like some of that, some of the, you know, you get too intricate and, you know, thinking about like, you know, it's got to be squared this way. Sometimes uh, some of those, the simplest things are profoundly true over a period of time. You, re- you, you do realize just how powerfully true they are. Yeah. Like, brush your teeth, <laughs> you know, and things like that. Uh, those are, and if you hear them from an older person and they say, you know, this or that, as a kid or even younger, sometimes you can't hear that stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't resonate. You know, you're looking for something that you, of what you imagine is profound. Right. <laughs> but you just got to know that when, when these people are saying this, they're speaking from a thing you have nothing yet, and that's experience, you right. know, and that experience is, it, it can inform that stuff and distill things down right. in ways. So sticking to it is, in my mind, if you really love this and you want to do that, you work on it and you stick to it, is there is no magic formula on that side. Now, uh, sticking to it is the single best thing I could ever tell anybody to do anything it. they want to do. Yeah. Because especially with this stuff, you can love it, but you can also be so passionate that you'll talk yourself out of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's not immediately perfect, if you're not, you know, Mozart, the minute you start something, uh, you, uh, you can drift away from it. And the minute you drift away from it, that's, that's a, that, that can, that can, that can ultimately stop you from, uh, you know, or doing the things you want to do. So, uh, you know, I know that that one gets discounted, but no, the other great. thing I was thinking about was the way that I got into all of this. Yeah. It's so, it's so old now. I mean, it's antiquated in the way that you would do it now. So I usually tell people if I was starting out right now, what I would do, you know, to get noticed, to get my books, you know, to, to get a career going. Yeah, uh, I would absolutely be posting all of my stuff. I would be creating a website and I'd be putting stuff out every darn day. Yeah. And I'd, I'd start building up my book right then. You, There's nothing stopping you it, other than your perception of what is success. You, you know, the fact that you every day work at something, you pick at it. And if I, you know, lo and behold, it was little baby steps, but you have a book that's out. All of a sudden, what you transformed from was a dreamer or a talker into a doer. And I don't know, you, you tell me from your experience, when you meet people who are doing stuff, don't you automatically, uh, well, you gravitate towards them because you know then you aren't going to be, you know, uh, it, listen, they might be doing stuff and there's some things you could help with to change here and that. But ultimately, they're yeah. they're you're not 
trying to transform. If you're going to come in and help or work with them, you're not trying to transform something. You're just trying to direct it a little bit, you know, uh, as yep. far as an employer yep. goes. Uh, and you have to do that yourself. Nobody else is going to turn you into a doer of these things. No, nobody. Yeah. Uh, and nobody yeah. else should care more about your career than you. You know, if you're looking for an agent right. or, right. you know, a, a lot of people think of uh, breaks in certain ways, but you got to make, you know, you, you, there's no excuse. If you've got a good story and you've been working on it, uh, you've got a put together, uh, you 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 can market it on so many different places now. People will see it. People will get it. And yeah. eventually, if you want to get that job at Marvel or DC, I'll tell you right now, if an editor sees that you've put, been putting your own book up there and you've been working at it uh, and you've been trying to make it even better uh, and whatnot, you're going to get hired. You're going to get hired nine out of ten times more than anybody who's sent in a portfolio or walked in at a convention with their portfolio. Uh, yeah. Cause you're doing what you need yes, to get done. You are already doing it. What you're telling somebody else at this point is I'm already doing this. Do you want to work with me on this thing? Cause I don't need yeah. you, but together we could probably do something seriously cool. Uh, Even better. That, that's what yeah. you're telling as opposed to, I need you to make my career and it's, or I need you to uh, validate or prove, you know, get to hire me before I do this stuff. And I I see this all the time with uh, portfolios, people who want to say they want to work in comic books, but they just show me a bunch of drawings of characters that don't show me stories that they've uh, written, you know, drawn out, you know, in some kind of comic book page way, or, they started working on it about a week before the convention. So, you know, stuff half drawn and things like that. <laughs> I get a lot of that. And, right. you know, I just tell them, it's like, you know, if you're serious about it, you know, um, you, you, you've got to always ask yourself anything you're going to show somebody, especially when it's in the marketplace, would I pay money for this? Would I, would, I mean, I right. work and I, I know where this money comes from that I'm doing out here. And right. I want, if I'm going to put it out there, I want it to be, you know, something that I consider a value, not just because it's out there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to hunt that stuff down. So, you know, it's not a bad metric to kind of, to, to kind of look at your own stuff and go, you know, is this something that would draw my eye and that I would go, yeah, I could, I could, I, I could, by that, that would be that would be cool. That'd be interesting for me. It would yeah. bring me joy uh, to do that. Um, that's a you know, it, that's that should be your goal, I think. For uh, as far as when you're looking at your own stuff, um, if you want to have some kind of critical eye on it, you know, put that put that on. Yeah. Um, so there's my advice. Well, there you go. That's great. That's perfect. You know, execute. Yeah. Oh. Give it a hundred percent and stick in there. Honestly, honestly, yeah. that is you sun tan lotion or it is execute stuff, execute stuff and, and stick in. And uh, there's yep. no other magic bullet. There, uh, you, sometimes it happens quicker for other people. And the fact, that's get lucky. Luck. And that's, luck. and yeah. you, being at the right place at the right time uh, is, the the thing that always gets lost out of there is also being prepared, and the and you can be doing that every day, preparing yourself for those opportunities, and you'd be surprised 
how many more opportunities all of a sudden present themselves uh, to you if you're prepared. You you see them now as opportunities, not as something cool that you would like to be part of or do something. You go, I've been doing this, and this is something that they want done. Why not me? You know, uh, it's a very different. Uh, you know, yeah, why not me? Into. Yeah, I love it. All right, Duncan. No, that was great advice. All Thank right. you. <laughs> well, it was a real pleasure. Um, well, I really appreciate you coming on and, and being a part of this. And I hope that I can entice you to come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And have some, yeah, and have some more fun, especially when maybe when you have, yeah, even when your novel is about yeah, ready to come novel, out. novel, and I actually, I, I, I had some other things I can't announce right now, but uh, when I yeah. do, I absolutely do that. That was that was awesome, man. I'm sad that I missed that. You should be sad. I disappointed am. in you, man. I'm disappointed. I am disappointed. You, what, you know what? You can blame my kids because I was at baseball practice for my son. Yeah, yeah. I'm Johnny a coach. had to go and be a coach for yeah. his son's baseball team. You know, trying to get dad of the year. Man. I'm trying. I'm trying. But <laughs> on the plus side, on the plus side, you had a great time. And I, yeah, picked, I had really some awesome cool. baseball playing. So it was, it was all good. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, that guy's amazing, man. He really is. And now I, I want to get some Duncan original art. I mean, I want to get yeah. art from Duncan, original art from Duncan. Yeah. I don't want to buy art for Duncan. I mean, you could. I'm sure. I mean, I could. It. He he might appreciate it actually. Yeah, he, he, I'm pretty sure he'd love it. I mean, yeah. If you want, you, you could buy Duncan art for me. I'd like that too. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. No, I mean, you won't. I know that. Maybe just, not. <laughs> what you'll do? What you'll do is you'll wait till I find something I like, and then when I look away, I'll take it real quick. Man, you are just a dog of the bone. With just that like one. Ron Randall's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a story for everybody else, but you know Johnny gets all mad when I say it. So, <laughs> well, you can't say that story on this podcast, all right? <laughs> that story is for a different podcast, okay? <laughs> oh, it's all a secret now. It's funny, but maybe no. if you guys get in on our on our <laughs> <laughs> a tangent episode, we'll talk about it, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe on a tangent episode, yeah, or... not on this. <laughs> yeah, you know. You know what? I'm just going to leave it alone. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you right now. <laughs> All right, guys. I hope you really enjoyed that. If you did, and I have, I would be remiss not to remind you, as I do at the end of every interview we have, is to go back and check out our vast catalog of interviews. So much stuff. And really, we have the Jerry Conways of the world on there, the Ben Templesmiths of the world on there, uh, Richard Cadry, who is one of my favorite New York Times bestseller of Sandman Slim is on there. We have, oh my God, it just, it just keeps going, dude. It's, I mean, I look at the list of people we've talked to and lots of people we work that we have scheduled to talk to, and I'm just in awe that, one, that we've been able to do this together, and two, that just it's happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an amazing it's a, it's an amazing rogues gallery. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so get in there, go check out scpod.net. If you like what you're seeing, maybe give us a subscribe and, you know, a share with your friends and your buddies. Maybe tell your mom about us. Hey grandma. And uh, maybe a nice review on oh, yeah, iTunes review. and on Google. I mean, that would really, really help us out, and we'd really much appreciate it. I'd love to hear a review on Google or on iTunes. It'd be great. Yeah. So, uh, there you guys go, man. We'll see you soon. Don't forget to open the mind. Read more.
but he promised once he gets to the point that he can talk about it, he'll come on and, and we'll go over it. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So why don't we just get into Duncan and see what he's got going on? Why don't we listen to Duncan in his own words? Now I want to get into Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like when I said that, Let's I'm like, that sounds really yeah. bad. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, Steven Seagal did, did try to get us naked, so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there you go. That was, that was awesome, man. I'm sad that I missed that. You should be sad.